if you're not rooted in, if you're not embodying that conviction that God's placing on your heart, if you're not tapped into that all the time through your regular prayer, through through mentors, you know, through a team that can remind you even when things get tough, you're going to fall apart like a house of cards. And I see it all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's normal. Mm-hmm. But you're not setting yourself up for success. Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are power for impact. Welcome back to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast. My name is Christian Huntley, and I'm your host today. And I'm joined by my father, Ron Huntley. Welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. Awesome. All right. Let's let's get right into it. Why not? Let's do it. Right? Uh, today, we are talking about uh, the idea, the concept of breathing vision, mm. uh, which is an interesting title. I'm excited <laughs> about it. Um, why don't you break open that topic for us? What are, what are we going to be talking about today? Sure. There's a difference between having vision and breathing vision into your people your structure, and it's worth talking about because vision, I often say vision is more than your vision statement. Your vision can be 20 pages long, but even once you have it, how do you breathe it into people? How do you breathe it into your organization? How do you embody it so that you live it? In many ways, you know, breathing is natural. You don't have to think about it. You just do it. It's natural and it's consistent. And so how do you embody your vision so that it's natural and consistent and you just do it? Because if you have it and don't do it, you're not going to bring it into reality. And that's the case often, not just in the church, but in businesses and in particular ministries. It's relevant to your hockey team, Hannah's volleyball team. Mm -hmm. You know, how do we embody the very vision that we say we have, if we even have it? So we've done a video before, a podcast before on on vision, mm-hmm. your value, your vision. But once you have it, how do you embody it? Well, great question. Let's <laughs> kind of pose that to you. Don't stop now. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's start there. So how, how would a person get to a place of breathing vision? Then? It has to be transformative. Like, it has to be transformative, and you can't fake it. You can't fake vision. You know, there's nothing more frustrating for employees or people in an organization. Again, not, I'm, not, I'm not just talking about the church. When we see the values on the wall or the vision on the wall, and then we experience how we're treated by those people of influence in our lives. It's really frustrating when we say one thing and do another thing. And so it's, a, it's always a struggle for corporations to choose leaders and managers who will embody their vision. How do you enculturate people so that they, too, embrace your vision? It, it is a struggle. But if we're speaking to clergy, if we're speaking into the church, how do you get from here to there, having a vision to breathing a vision? Prayer is, I, it, I hate to state the obvious, and, and again, I don't say that tritely like lord transform me like what's uh, god I, I find god often gives you a heart for what he has for you so where's your heart you know father james sometimes malin often talks about your holy discontent like what is that what's percolating in you that says ah this isn't good enough go there in your prayer let the Holy Spirit transform you. I think about personal prayer. I think about going on retreats, maybe silent retreats, having a spiritual director. Stay in that spot, that stirring in you, that calling, that holy discontent. Stay in there so, so that and allow God to transform you in that. And unfortunately, it's not something I think you can do in a week or, right. or a month. Yeah. I think it's a lifetime of, of uncovering the call that God has on your life. And beginning to believe that maybe God's given that to you as a, it's often a burden mm-hmm. for impact. And so having mentors in your life is another way of doing it. Spiritual directors, mentors, ongoing prayer, but also leading out of a team so that people can call you 
to a greater authenticity of what you said your vision is. And, you know, it's a bad case of the emperor has no clothes. I mean, it's bad enough. It's terrible with clergy. People don't, you know, it's kind of like doctors. Everybody says they comply with their medication, but all studies show only 60% of patients actually comply with the doctor's recommendations. Mm -hmm. And if you ask any doctor, they'll say, oh, it's probably even worse than that. But if you say to that same doctor, do your patients comply? They'll say, oh, yeah, it's closer to 90%. <laughs> Every doctor thinks <laughs> that everything their patients tell them is true. Yeah. And it's so often funny with clergy. So often, you know, people are in their best behavior around father. And so father thinks that's normal. It's not normal when you're not around. Uh, well, it's even worse, I think, for a bishop. You know, well, you're the bishop. That's a really important position. So everybody's going to be really nice to you and tell you what you want to hear. Not helpful. And so how do we create environments, and I think that is part of it, where people can hold us accountable to the gap between our vision, what we say, and, and what we dream of. And so it's a combination of things to be able to breathe vision. It's not just one thing. Again, that's why having a vision and breathing a vision are not the same thing. Right. Yeah. No, that's very interesting. Um, one word that I use for it that I feel like is connected to this is, is alignment just in my personal life like that it's one thing like i know where i'm going and what i want to do and what i want to achieve um but a lot of times there's there's habits in my life that that maybe serve me at one point that aren't going to serve me to get to this goal and the process of finding those and seeing them clearly is not always easy to do on your own it requires a consistent prayer life and it requires people around you that are going to tell you the truth when you don't want to hear it and um it's difficult. You know? <laughs> it is, isn't it? Um, but it's 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 so rewarding when it does happen. And um, right now, like I'm in, a, I'm, I feel like I'm in a season of cutting. Like there's there's um, not a whole lot of time left in my day. Yes. But there are unhelpful habits that I spend time on. So um, yeah. And who that, d- who yeah. do you want to be? And does how you spend your time is it consistent with who you say you want to be? Right. Yeah, so that's that's where I'm at personally. So this is going to be an interesting yeah, conversation. Yeah, it's a fun yeah. conversation, yeah. isn't it? It does apply to uh, our listenership, but also to my hockey team <laughs> and my personal <laughs> yeah. life, like you said. So Parenting, you know, yeah. everything. It yeah. really does. And, and, and I hope today's episode, I hope as we unpack this, our listeners are really just going to reflect internally about right. how does this apply to me? Who do I say I am? Who do I want to be? Who do I feel called to be? And does what I do align with that? Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Who have you worked with um, that that lives this out well? Who who have you worked with that does a good job of breathing vision? I remember one of the first times. Like for me, my my passion is leadership. Like that's my passion. Mm-hmm. My first love is Jesus and His Church, and so to apply leadership to the Catholic church so that more people can come to know Jesus. That's like, it's like, Oh, that's purpose. That gives me purpose. Um, the first time I saw, cause I'm an experiential learner. Mm. Not that I haven't read books, <laughs> <laughs> but the books I've read have been inspired by my desire to be a better leader. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first place I experienced leadership in the context of church. It wasn't the Catholic Church. And I'm not saying that that doesn't happen and can't happen in the Catholic Church. It just wasn't. I was invited a thousand times by a neighbor (laughs) when I lived in Moncton to go to their church. And it's like, I'm Catholic. (laughs) I don't want to go to your church. I'm sure you have a lovely church. I don't want to do church more than once on the weekend. Thank you very much. And yet, the more I cared about them, the more I got to know them, the harder it was to say no, because they didn't stop asking. And they knew I liked music. And so one day they said, Ron, you know, we've got this really cool band coming, and they're going to be playing during the service. I think you would really enjoy it. Would you like to come? And it's like... Honestly, I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'll come, but please don't ever ask me again. (laughs) Just I'll come this once, but stop asking me. Um, And so I did. We brought you and your sister, and we went to Mass first, and then we went over to this service. 
And as soon as we got to the door, the people that were on the door just were full of energy and they were, they looked really confident and happy and welcoming was really extraordinary. Mm -hmm. I just thought, wow, this, this has energy. Like as soon as like, it just had energy. And I come in, you're greeted a couple more times thinking, wow, this is exciting. The environment seemed fun. There's a lot of people with young families and stuff. You got whisked off to the children's ministry, and so I knew you were looked after. And and then we went into the place where they worship, and you know we found our seats, and it was all a little bit different because it wasn't Catholic and it was different. And and we had an amazing experience. The music was awesome, yeah. <laughs> but so was the preaching. And their vision, I could see leadership lived out. I could see them empowering people. I could see the people engaged and involved and owning owning the vision and being a part of the, the this energy and environment that they wanted to create. For They didn't have to say it. I experienced it. I could see it. And I realized, oh, my gosh. Like, there are a lot of things they were doing we could do in the Catholic Church. It didn't take away from our liturgy. It didn't take away from our sacramental experience of, of faith. no, no. They just did a lot of things that we could do really, really well. And I thought that was so exciting. And the, and so we started to go. We'd go to Mass, and then we'd go to this service. And I began to see how the pastor, Pastor Laurel Buckingham, who's been a guest on the, on the podcast, the audio version. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get him back on the video portion. Yeah. But I saw he, how he empowered people. I saw how he recruited people. I saw how his people recruited people. and. Uh, I realized there is something amazing going on here. They were breathing vision on every possible front, and I was receiving it through at every at every front, right through the organization. Even though I didn't understand their organizational structure, I could see and hear the same culture, the same desire, the same hope right through everything. And I just thought, what is happening here? And that was probably the first time I'd experienced something that I changed my entire paradigm of what's possible. Mm -hmm. And again, it was because vision was breathed into every area of what I experienced as somebody coming. And here's the neat thing. We went there probably for a year. So we'd go to Mass and then we'd go to the service. Probably at least a year. And I didn't see any inconsistencies. I just continued to to see more and more intentionality behind breathing vision in every front, in every area, in every capacity. Wow. It was amazing. Yeah, and what it's incredible the impact that it left on you. Um, I would say it's incredible the impact it's had on the world in one sense. Right. Because it was through them that they invited me to be on the um, be a networking liaison for their Alpha Conference for Atlantic Canada. Wow. And I said no at first. But they didn't know any other Catholic, because they knew I was Catholic. I said, I'm never going to be anything other than Catholic. I'm never leaving my church. I'm a Catholic. I'll always be Catholic. I want to be up front with that. And they said, no, you're welcome to come here and worship anytime you want. We're just glad you're here. We're not going to ask you to do anything that, that, that you wouldn't want to do. And they never did. They respected the fact that I was Catholic. But because of that, they asked me on this networking <laughs> thing, and it was... Yeah. It was through that that I saw a little booklet that the the founder of Christ Life, Dave, created. Um, because at first, before he created Christ Life, he was the Catholic. He brought Alpha into the Catholic context in North America. He yeah. put this little booklet together, Alpha in the Catholic context. That booklet changed my life. And therefore, we began to host the Alpha Conferences as a Catholic Church just a couple of years later, and Father James and I would do that together because I introduced him to Alpha. Mm-hmm. And boy, that that really changed. That changed a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but all because of Vision Breathe in this church by this leader and his in, right through his entire structure and his openness well, to, to live that out with everybody, including this Catholic who was diehard Catholic, who's always going to be Catholic, mm-hmm. and just welcomed me, loved me, invited me to do things. And what I did there, I was able to bring into some of the opportunities for ministry that I served in in the church, and yeah. it was just so fun. It's amazing. So did you I get know. to um, serve on team with um, Pastor Buckingham? Uh, I did in terms of that Alpha Conference, but not in his oh, okay. seat. 
they would invite me to things from time right. to time as people do. They recognized in me some capacity and they appreciated my attitude and stuff. And, and I loved working. I, I loved them. I still, I still love, <laughs> I still love that man. And, and a lot of the people that were a part of that church. Um, but no, I, I was applying all of my energy into, I, I knew what my call was. My call was to work within the Roman Catholic context in parishes to bring parishes of God's put that call in my life a long time ago. And so I've never been distracted. I've been disheartened, mm-hmm. <laughs> disappointed, <Yeah. laughs> but never distracted from the call that God's placed on my life to. But it was there that you saw an example of how leadership can be lived out. And then you take that and you say, okay, here's how I want, here's how I want my church to look, or here's what well, I want my leadership. To yeah. Look and like. I don't have a church. I belong right. to a church, yeah. but I'm not a clergy. And so yeah. I don't, or whatever, right. Yeah. Whatever you're involved in. It's like, yeah, whatever I'm involved in, I want it to be amazing. And I've always felt that way. Like how people are treated matters to me. Mm-hmm. If, if, if the purpose we exist is very noble, but we treat people like crud internally for the sake of this noble thing we do externally, that's not good enough. The inside of the cup and the outside of the cup have to be the same. So the integrity of leadership within every ministry, within every parish, within every diocese, if we can bring that integration Mm -hmm. together, breathe vision through all of it, and embody the vision and how we treat people as well as the mission we have, that to me, people will get behind that. Mm -hmm. And that excites me. That's a drive that I have that I try to bring into the coaching that I do because it is a value that I, I live. And to be honest with you, another place I saw that lived out. And and again, I think we were able to live it out, Father James and I and the team at St. Benedict Parish for the time that we were there. And it wasn't always that way. Oh man, it was not always that way. But we evolved as leaders through our mistakes and also through the help and the mentoring that we got from other people, the books we read, we had a lot of support, a lot of help, a lot of people breathing into us and helping us mm-hmm. see where, you know, the emperor had no clothes. Mm-hmm. To see where our intent and our impact, there was a gap so that we could close that gap, so that we could grow into the leaders that the church needed. We evolved more than anyone else, and we continue. I continue to, and I'm sure he does too. In fact, I know he does. We had yeah. dinner the other day, and he was sharing with me all the ways that he's growing right now in his new assignment over at uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe. And so, I just love this pursuit of continued growth. But um, HTB was another one of those places that I went, and I saw vision breathed right into all the people in leadership and right through the organizational structure. I didn't see any inconsistencies with who they say they wanted, who they were striving to be and how they treated people and, and their mission. There's just this alignment, this consistency of breathed vision and you couldn't find where there, there was a hole in that. And not that there isn't, mm-hmm. but boy, I, all the time that I've spent over there, studying what they do and going to workshops and talking to different people, their, their generosity, their humility, their desire to lean into the Holy Spirit and be obedient to God and to take risks. It it embodies everything they do. And, it's, and again, that's vision breathed into the entire organization. I'll never forget going there for the first time. Who, Sorry, who is HTB just for people? Oh, who yeah, yeah. Holy Trinity okay. Brompton in, in London. They're a church that is the founders of Alpha and, and really uh, have done an amazing job. But, you know, you go to London and say, hey, I'm looking to go to HTB. It's so exciting to be there. Nobody will know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's kind of like St. Benedict Parish, you know. It has an impact beyond the town. But if you ask some people in town, if you're in Halifax, where's St. Benedict Parish? I'm sure a lot of people would say, wow. I don't know. Interesting. <laughs> There's so a church over there. Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you never know, hear it in your hometown, I suppose. But uh, um, yeah, so HTB is, is where Alpha was founded. Their whole, I remember going there for the first time. Father James asked me if I'd go, and I said no. And he said, I really want you to go. I said, no, I don't want to go because I was still working in the pharmaceutical industry. And any time away on vacation, I wanted to spend it with you guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I would have had to take vacation from my full-time role to, to do this, and I couldn't have brought you. But he really wanted me to go, so I said yes. So I remember getting there, and um, we actually went to the oratory, which is... H, the HCB church is right in the backyard of this 
beautiful Catholic church it was so cool to go to that mass and experience that. Mm-hmm. And then I, we walk down the little alley on our way to where this Holy Trinity Brompton church is. And we hear just loud screaming, we're like what's going on? It sounded like we were at a football game or something. Yeah. And so I thought, that was weird. And it was really loud. And then we heard it again. We thought, what are we missing? We literally started <laughs> running down this, this long driveway and run around the corner and get into the back of the church and bang, the place is packed. Nikki Gumbel's on the stage interviewing people that are coming, that are using Alpha's tools in different parts of the world, and the whole church is getting excited and celebrating what they're hearing from these people witnessing. And, and so we just caught the tail end, and he said, is there anybody here that's here for the Alpha international conference if you're here for that just raise your hand and so i raised my hand i was at the back just standing and then he said this he said if is if if there's somebody close to you who's who has an arm raised would you please take some time to pray with them i swear this young man he couldn't have been any more than 19 years old mm-hmm. and he just looked so pleasant so just a wonderfully put together young man and he looked at me and he said where are you from i said i'm from halifax nova scotia he said that's great welcome to london can I pray with you? And I'm thinking to myself, I don't know, can you? Because <laughs> there's nobody in my church who'd be willing to do that. Yeah. Certainly not anybody who's 19 years old. Yeah. Really? You're going to pray for me, a grown man from a... And so, of course, I didn't say any of that. That's what yeah. I was thinking. But I said, sure. Yeah. And he, he said, can I put my hand on your shoulder? I said, yeah, absolutely. And he put his hand on my shoulder and he prayed into me the most beautiful prayer. I don't know what he said, but I know what he did. And I could have left London on the next plane and it would have been well worth my time, money, and effort. Mm. I didn't need to see any of the rest of the conference to see what leadership looks like, to see leadership breathed into an entire organization, even the people in the pews, Mm. that anyone at any time can pray with a stranger in a very respectful way that wasn't weird, that wasn't goofy, that wasn't using a bunch of language that caused division and misunderstandings and uncertainty and make people feel like they don't belong. None at all. I thought to myself, oh, I get it. Mm. Not because what's on somebody's T-shirt as value statements or on the wall in terms of a vision statement or a booklet that says, but how it's breathed right through the entire organization. It was so, so beautiful. Mm. Wow. So a a few beautiful examples of the goal and where we want to get to and what that looks like and how exciting that is. Um, You mentioned that you weren't always great (laughs) at breathing vision. Um, How have you grown in that? I think probably being visionary has always been something. It's something that I've grown into. It's something that I've begun to recognize God's hardwired me to be good at that. But bringing that to life is difficult for me because I'm not, I'm not a well-rounded leader. There are a lot of things I'm not good at. And I think the older I got, when I was young, I thought I had to be good at everything, and I would never ask somebody to do something that I wasn't willing to do myself. But what are the things that you're least likely to desire to do yourself? The things you're not good at. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd keep the things I'm not good at to myself. <laughs> I would struggle through them, do them poorly, procrastinate on them, which would impact my leadership and my ability to love and serve others. Because I thought that was a noble thing to do is hold on to the things that you didn't like because who would give somebody stuff that they didn't like? Mm-hmm. Well, I would suggest a good leader, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't a particularly <laughs> good leader. And I didn't realize that God actually made people who enjoyed doing the things that I didn't enjoy doing. I know that sounds funny, but as I grew into my self-awareness and gave myself permission to be bad at some things, and not have to be ashamed of it, but actually tell people, here's some things I'm really terrible at. If we're going to get here, I'm probably going to have to spend as little time as possible here. And so if we can build what we're doing with that in mind, I'll be able to serve this whole mission better. And and maybe the people that are good at this will really, really enjoy being a part of our team. And that's exactly what happened. And so I think part of that is self-awareness and growth. That took me a long time, probably longer than most. But as I did that, I I think that helped me to breathe vision because 
I think part of that is it's okay to be you. It's okay to not be good at some things, and it's okay to need each other and to count on each other. And I think that creates a sense of belonging, a sense of safety, a sense of trust. And I think that's fuel for whatever the mission is that, that you have or that your organization has or that your ministry has is that bedrock of trust, knowing that you're okay being you, you're okay me being me, you don't expect me to be you. I think I did early on. I think I'd get frustrated with people who didn't see things the way I saw them or mm-hmm. tackle things the way I would have tackled them. It, this is a lot of immaturity that I think is a natural part of growing up mm-hmm. uh, that I definitely wrestled with, which would have impacted my ability to breathe vision. Condem- condemning people and judging them isn't really conducive to building <laughs> trust, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> I think I did a lot of things that I would to regret but out of passion and, and immaturity mm-hmm. and i'm just grateful that i've had some wonderful role models in my life mm. people that will love me even when i'm not so lovable and be kind to me even when i don't deserve it and you know god's mercy and has really been a blessing and so there have been a lot of influences in my life that have helped me grow yeah 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 that's what i want to dive into next as well like if you're a leader um that has recognized um, or has even articulated a vision. Yes. Uh, and you recognize that, that maybe you have some work to do Yeah, uh, in order to bring that about, in order to start breathing that. One of the most important things, it seems to me, and like you just mentioned, is mentors and people in your life who will tell you the truth when yeah. you don't want to hear it. Um, do you have people, relationships like that in your life and um, how have they helped? Yeah. So let's break that down. Um, so the do I have people, have I had people or do I have people in my life that will tell me the truth when I don't want to hear it? And what was the first part of that? The, um, do you remember? Uh, I think that was maybe the first part of the question. Oh, okay. Just, yeah. Oh, that was the question. Maybe, okay, cool. Yeah, we'll start there and then keep going. I guess. Okay, yeah. sounds good. Sorry. Um, so, yes, I have. I haven't always listened. That's one of the areas... Um, of repentance for me, and I say that with regret and shame, Yeah, is that I can bowl over people who, with my passion, my excitement, my enthusiasm for what's possible, I can bowl right over them when they're expressing what I might perceive as obstacles or things to be cautious of. And in essence, that's people telling you the truth, whether you want to hear it or not. And I've haven't always listened well. Um, now, with that said, I do have people, and I've always had people. God will put prophets in your life yeah. to speak truth to you, and you don't want to. My mom has been a wonderful source of that. I love you, mom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she'll tell me the truth, whether I want to hear it or not. Yeah. But what's neat about that, and and it, maybe it's a really good example to talk about. I know my mom loves me, and she doesn't love me a little bit. She would literally lay down her life for me in a heartbeat. Mm. And so when she tells me something that I don't see, wasn't aware of, or maybe don't even want to hear or disagree with, I don't question for a second that it's coming from a place of love. Now, I might not agree with her, but I don't doubt the source of where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. We need people around us we need to be working with people, collaborating with people around us in terms of our closest circles who we don't question the source of their feedback, their constructive criticism, their insights, in the inconvenient truths. It's really helpful. You know, sometimes you can be one of those people in my life. You've called me out on stuff at times. You know, when I think about the leadership team meetings that we have together, you know, (laughs) you're 23 years old, I'm 52, and yet you've had the strength of character to speak truth into whatever situation issues that we're wrestling with, or just me personally. You've been able to do that for me. Father James has been one of those people in my life which I really appreciate it, particularly since I don't have a background in theology. I love the church. I am Roman Catholic, born and raised. I will always be. 
And yet I don't know canon law. I don't know all the ins and outs of the details of our faith. But I, I function within, been raised in it for 52 years. I've learned a lot, but I make mistakes. And he was always, he was always gracious to let me know when what I was saying was <laughs> blasphemous. Hopefully <laughs> 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 it wasn't that bad. But <laughs> when I would say things or do things that weren't in line with, with where we were going. And, and so, yeah, I think I've always had people. I, oh, I haven't always listened well, but I think I always have had people that would speak into me even when I didn't want to hear it. Cool. Mm. What do you think stops people from breathing vision? Even if they've articulated the vision, they know where they want to go. What do you think, um, what are some barriers maybe you're that, that hold them back from reaching, uh, an HTB level or a right. Wesleyan level where this, it's just, breathe through the whole organization. Right. Because when that happens, you have disproportionate impact. You right. start having impact that doesn't make any sense. You know, when one plus one equals three, it's like, what's going on? And I don't think you're going to get to one plus one equals three without that embodying the vision that that you're starting to articulate or that, or that you have articulated. And so what stops us i think one of the things that stops us and I, and i want people to hear this is it's a thousand times harder than you think it is mm. <laughs> you know yeah like if moses would have known what he was going to run into when he left egypt <laughs> i'm sure he would have said no way yeah, no probably. way yeah. <laughs> like they're, they're going to complain they're going to turn against me they're going to worship false gods <laughs> like they're going to whine it's, this is going to be awful yeah. <laughs> it's like if you wouldn't have known how hard it was going to be you probably wouldn't have left and yet, we all have a promised land that God's calling us to. We all, God's calling us to make a, a positive impact in the world in whatever your area of influence is. And so I think part of it is when people start out, they, especially if you're a thinking person, sometimes maybe the idea, you'll get so excited about the idea because it's the right idea. It's the right direction. It makes sense. That's all really important <laughs> and really good. But not everybody's going to be inspired by the same thing that inspires you. And so just because it's right, just because it's good, <laughs> doesn't mean you'll be able to win them over just with logic alone. Mm -hmm. And so when you get pushback, sometimes you can second guess your vision and your commitment to your vision. And so the more the pushback it all of a sudden undermines confidence. And that's natural. It makes sense. And so you, if you're not rooted in, if you're not embodying that conviction that God's placing on your heart, if you're not tapped into that all the time through your regular prayer, through, through mentors, you know, through a team that can remind you even when things get tough, you're going to fall apart like a house of cards. And I see it all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and mm -hmm. it's normal. Mm-hmm but you're not setting yourself up for success. And if you're going to do something that doesn't make sense, and by the way, God is calling you to do something that doesn't make sense. He's asking us to live a supernatural life. He's asking us to bring clarity and alignment to everything we do so that we have a disproportionate impact in the world around us. God is calling us to be the leaders the church needs in this generation. That's not normal. And so it's going to require something of us that makes no sense. And leadership is a thing. Like, it's a real thing. And we can get better at it. We can set ourselves up for success. But we're going to have to work at it. We're going to have to make time for it. We're going to have to commit to it. Because you're not going, your church isn't going to be better if you're not willing to get better. Yeah. If you're not going to be better, your results aren't going to be better. It's not just about great ideas. It's about being a great person, a great leader, with a great commitment to the call that God has on your life. Mm. Yeah. Like, really, if your vision is God's size, you're going to be asking people, people that you're leading the people that you're influencing to step outside of their comfort zone to get to the place where god is calling you and it's hard to get other people to do that when you're not willing to do it yourself like this requires a ton of humility you got to operate differently yes um 
right? Like I think in prayer you have to be, it starts with in prayer where, with asking God to like soften my heart and say like, I want what you want. And so like, like I, I can't be stuck in my ways anymore. Like I need, I need help. Um, I need the spirit to come and move in me. Like that's where it starts. It does. And then you need to create a culture in your leadership team that in a, enables you to act that out. Yes. Because you said something really interesting, Christian, is that um, I need to commit to, you know, God soften my heart. But the other thing, too, is not only soften my heart, but give me the courage not to define myself or my daytime or my schedule by other people's expectations. Mm -hmm. Everybody's going to have an opinion on what you should or shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, the, the the ask that people give us in the whirlwind of ministry, whether you're a clergy or a layperson, isn't a, a deal breaker in and of itself. But you add all those things together, and you'll never get around to the things that are important, that are really going to make a difference, that are going to multiply yourself. And I think, you know, your earlier question is what prevents people or what can be a roadblock? Busyness is yeah. a roadblock. The whirlwind of ministry is a roadblock. Other people's expectations of you is a roadblock. How you define your role and how you're going to fill it is one of your obstacles. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot at, at play. And again, that's where mentors and having these conversations and working on your leadership as a thing, like getting out of leading to work on your leadership, like in the ministry versus on the ministry, making the time regularly. I was asked that just yeah. yesterday. Yeah. You know, geez, do you take time to work on, like you're always helping others, you're always giving, like, what about you? Like, well, how do you get fed? It's a great question. And I do mm-hmm. very regularly. I make sure I take my prayer time an hour a day, every single day. That's my number one source of fuel is my time, my intimate time with Jesus in prayer. And that is awesome. But I also have coaches, people that coach into my life. I have a, a team of mentors that I meet with who speak into my life and, and, ask me where I'm at and where I'm going and why and challenge me. And I have, I have people that, yeah, that really, and I have, we have our leadership meetings every single week mm-hmm. where we work on the ministry, on what God's calling us to do. How are we make our decisions? Where are our priorities? Is our things aligned? You know, it's constant, but I make platforms for all those things in my life on purpose, but it's, would be very easy for me to let those meetings go and just focus on being busy because there's never enough hours in the day to get done all the things that I have to do. Not even close, Mm. but I'm not going to sacrifice those time slots in my calendar that feed me and fuel me as a leader to grow, to be inspired, to be accountable, and to continue to be the leader God's calling me to be. So, so maybe the prayer is for conviction for the right things and make sure that everyone knows where that, that aim is, where that direction is, and clarity around that, and then the humility to let everything else go. Does that make any sense? Yeah, is that humility to let things go or courage? I think it's humility to say Maybe a little bit of both. It depends. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. Yeah. I wonder if part of it isn't the humility to say, this is who... I think our church could be, or this is who our diocese could be. And I just really believe that that's who we need to be. I don't have a clue how we're going to get there. I don't know how to do it. You know, so many bishops, you know, it's frustrating for priests. You know, the bishop has a new vision. Oh, here we go again. A bishop telling a priest exactly how to lead a church as if he knows how to do it. Well, we all know, you know, how many bishops have turned around parishes? I don't know any. And so here we have diocesan staff and bishops oftentimes telling people what to do and how to do it as if they know. Well, the priest knows they don't know. The bishop knows they don't know. The people that work in the diocesan office know they don't know. We all have ideas, but we don't have experience. And so wouldn't it be way cooler? And I'm not saying people aren't doing this. Mm-hmm. But just saying from a place of humility, I don't know. But I know I care about you. I know I'm willing to do whatever it takes to help you. And together, if we commit to excellence, if we can define what success might look like for you and your parish, 
and then we can devise a plan to, to work towards that. I can pray with you. We can get you some resources that can help, and, and we're going to learn along the way. And along the way, we're probably going to get 90% of things wrong and 10% of things right. But if we start doubling down on that 10% and let go of the things that don't work, I bet you we're going to be completely different in three to five years. That's To me, that's the humility required to turn things around. But so often that appears weak or what have you. But we can only do that if I trust you and you trust me. And so if if trust is a deficit, then that's the first place turnaround has to happen within ministries, within parishes, and within dioceses. It's trust. Because ideas are not going to win the day if if we're not if we don't have that bedrock of trust. How does this all apply for lay people? We talked a little bit about clergy, and mm. um, but what about lay people? I know some of the best managers I've ever worked with. You know, oftentimes in the pharmaceutical industry, for example, we'd get our next year's sales numbers, and they're always a lot bigger than last year's sales numbers. It's like, what? <laughs> this is crazy. It's like, yep, and those are the numbers we've gotten. And I don't know how we're going to do it. But I'm committed to working with you to do whatever it takes to do everything we can to try. Mm-hmm. And so let's review where your areas were last year that you saw wins. Let's review what opportunities you see based on the relationships you have. And why don't we figure it out together? Because you know what? If anybody can do it, you can do it. And I'm here to help you. And so, you know, that's a level of humility that is seen in business. And I just think it's so helpful but as lay people, you know, the churches don't exist without lay people serving in ministry. But what if we didn't just serve? What if we led? Like if you're in a position of leadership, lead. Learn to lead as a lay person. Everything we talk about in these podcasts is every bit as relevant to lay people in terms of how you can. You know, if you, like I think to myself, let's say you're the Eucharist, you lead the Eucharistic ministry. Well, it's like, okay, well, a lot of people that lead that ministry, you know, need to make sure that, we have the right amount of extraordinary ministers to distribute Holy Communion at Mass and and maybe also have a ministry to the sick and the homebound that you take Eucharist. It's great. Can you do better? It's like, well, I don't know. I've never been asked to do better. But what if you could? You know the state of belief in the Holy Eucharist in practicing Catholics? You know how low that is? What if the Eucharistic ministers as a leader, what if you mobilize them to grow in love and appreciation and adoration for the Holy Eucharist, to really under, grow in their understanding and their affection for, for the Eucharist. What if out of that came this, this Bible study of teaching into the Holy Eucharist as, as an extension of their, Eucharist, their ministry to distribute the Eucharist? What if we made it a lot bigger than that? What if we could take our team and, and inspire them to spend time in adoration? Uh, and then share experiences of, of, of miracles and revelation that happened during those times. What if we're interceding and praying for miracles? And there's just so much we could do with that ministry mm-hmm. if we thought like a leader, if we would allow the Eucharist to transform us and realize that, wow, I get to be a Eucharistic minister and I lead that ministry. For heaven's sakes, filling the schedule is such a small goal. It's mm-hmm. way too small. But I could say the same for all the ministries. Like, what if? Mm-hmm. And with that in mind, can you get excited about what God's calling you to do in whatever area of ministry that you're responsible for and learn to lead, influence, impact, not just do a task? Mm-hmm. And most churches... People are just doing what they do because Father asked them and they don't have a replacement yet. Mm -hmm. We can do way, way better if we will take the time to process vision, to pray into things, and then to begin to embody that vision and breathe that vision into the people that are in our ministry. It's the same principles. Mm. Yeah. So, almost courage to chase after the conviction that God's put on your heart. Yes. Like, like that, that is it. But at the same time, having the humility to put people around you who you trust that can call you out when you fall off track, which you mm-hmm. inevitably will, right? And that's... Yes. 
because the it's one thing to have the vision and to dream bigger. Like that's yeah. that's the step that we we talked about before in your yes. values or vision. Um, but then the disconnect between that and actually achieving what you want to. <laughs> how you live, how you talk, how you treat people, how you spend your time, mm-hmm. how you prioritize, all of those things, to, to use your word earlier. Mm-hmm. Is there alignment in the other things? And how you're living you as a leader, too. Yeah. Because, like, it's one thing to say, here's where we want to go. Like, you guys go there, but I'm not willing to change. That's right. And it's hard. I was going to say. Like I, <laughs> don't, I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, even you think about the work that we've done together, even using the platform we use for the meetings, like, the last thing I want to do is learn how to use another platform. Mm-hmm. I hate details, and there's tons of details in that. But I can't expect us to capture the things that are coming out of meetings, to, to have continuity, accountability. And so I need to hold myself accountable to the exact same things the rest of the team is. So that, and that means I'm going to have to learn. That means I'm going to have to take some time to figure this out. I don't want to, but I can't say I want us to go here if I'm not willing to do it too. And it's hard. There's just times I just rather not. I'm constantly kicking my own butt, trying to get myself to do the things I said I wanted to do, the the things I know I should do. I need help. Mm -hmm. I think everyone needs help. And there are sometimes gaps that creep in because of busyness, because of distraction. And we constantly need to be reminding each other of the vision where we're going and how we said we would get there. How? Because the way we behave is important. (laughs) The way we treat people is important. There's no goal that you have that excuses you from having integrity in how you treat people and how you behave. So what is your hope for everyone listening today? (laughs) I hope that today's conversation will cause you to reflect. You know, one of the things that you may experience listening to this, and and I want to say it because if you're feeling this way, I I want you to hit the time. I want to hit the pause button. Well, I would if only my boss would treat me like that. Well, I would if the person leading my ministry would do that. Well, I would if the pastor would do that. Well, I would if the bishop would do that. And so you're probably not being led like you want to be led. And that's not fun, and that's not easy. But it doesn't mean the influence you have in leadership can't be amazing to the people that look to you. So be that leader even if you're not being led in this way. And so I hope that this episode isn't uh, an opportunity for you to to beat up your leader with a, <laughs> with a conversation that matters that might make them a better leader. I hope you too, if that's the case, I hope you'll take it twice as seriously yourself to reflect and to seek out mentors who will tell you the truth. Seek out coaches and and books and consultants and people that you can aspire to and look up to and ask them, how do you think I can be better? I don't know anybody that couldn't be better, Mm. especially me. And Mm -hmm. so I'm thinking we can help each other. And boy, that gives life purpose and meaning. And when what we do starts to have bare fruit that is disproportionate, It makes glorifying God and giving him praise a lot easier (laughs) Mm because you see the miracles that come from our yes, that come from doing the internal work that has an external impact on the people around us. And it's the best fight of them all. And so I hope our listeners today are willing to take on that fight internally to seek out the help and support that would make them better and never get off that train, like never get off the train of growing and being the person that God's calling you to be. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I also just think, too, like, um, for those people that don't know, I'm sure a lot of our listeners do, is that we coach. And it's one right. of those relationships that um, is really focused on partnering with people that want to get somewhere. And, and it requires a lot of crucial conversations. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, w- we we help people do that. That's, that's what we like to – that's what we – that's that's the that's the passion that that God has placed on our hearts, and and we try to embody it in our own leadership as well. And there's struggles, and 
But if if you're listening today and thinking, I don't necessarily know where I would go to get that kind of help that I think I might need, mm-hmm. um, you can book a, an info call with us and um, just have the conversation and see if maybe it's a good fit. We'd love to work with you. So, mm. um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And would you like to, <laughs> uh, any, any final thoughts or, and then if not, would you like to close us in prayer? No, I think we've covered it. Let's pray. Let's do it. <laughs> in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, you are good and gracious. You're so patient with us. <laughs> You're so patient with me. Uh, I look back at how I've evolved as a person, as a father, as a son, as a friend. I just see so many <laughs> seasons of my life where I was immature and blind. And in my leadership, Lord, running the other way and inconsistent. And yet you loved me by putting people around me who would love me and speak into me. For all the people listening today that that long, they know that you're calling them to be a better leader. Lord, give them a grace. May your Holy Spirit fall upon them now. May they receive the grace that you long to pour into their lives. Begin to bring people around them that love them, that share a passion for what's possible in the local church, in the local diocese. And Lord, help them to get the help, support, and resources they need to be amazing so that together they could glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. There you go. There's another one down. (laughs) Um, Thanks to everyone who joined us today, and we'll see you next week. I want to encourage you, as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time, and remember, if you're still breathing, you are